Corona Chronicles session 41 with Ben Walkoff. Now, Ben is a partner at Axis Law Firm located in Miami, Florida, and uh, they specialize in hospitality law. And a lot of my listeners or a lot of my unstoppable restaurant owners and operators, uh, Facebook group members have been asking me to get lawyers on the show specifically to talk about this insurance issue. Um, and really what we're trying to accomplish in today's episode is to give you an idea of whether or not it's worth pursuing. Uh, Ben seems hopeful. So uh, who knows? And I think a lot of whether or not we can get relief from these insurance companies hinges on the political happenings. What's, what's going on in the political world. So we can influence that political world is the big takeaway from today's episode. We get into some of those details in today's chat uh, before I hit play on today's conversation. I want to let you know that today's chat was brought to you by restaurant 365, a cloud based all in one restaurant specific accounting and back office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, and food and beverage vendors. Uh, to learn more about Restaurant 365, head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable, and you'll qualify for 30% off implementation in a free inventory build within Restaurant 365, a value of $5,000 if you use that link. And now is the time to be thinking about what the future looks like, how you can rebuild and come back even stronger over the past five, 10 years. It's been mayhem with all the technology that's been coming out there to make our industry better, our industry more streamlined and efficient. And it was hard to keep track of, but now's the time to be doing that research. Again, check it out. Restaurant365.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is also brought to you by P and G professional, specifically Don professional. So Don professional is the number one dish detergent found in most commercial kitchens around the nation. I know know when I was coming up, I was using Don Professional and it always seemed like the suds in the water just lasted forever. And the truth is they do last a lot longer than other leading labels. As a matter of fact, you can clean 58% more dishes with Don and you reduce sink changeovers by 35%. What does, the, what does this mean to you? Well, you get to save 6,000 gallons a year of hot water versus other private labels. So not only are you saving money, but we're using less water, less water. We're being more sustainable. So go check it out. Don professional and P and G pro.com is the website. Head over to P and G pro.com. All right, here's today's episode. I hope you guys find a value. All right, here we are. I'm being joined by Ben Walkov. Ben is the founding partner of AXS law group or access law group is how they say it. And uh, Ben, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you specialize in. And uh, yeah, just take it from there. Give us an idea of who we're talking to. All right. Well, thanks, Eric. Appreciate you having me on today. So, um, my pleasure. I'm a business lawyer, and uh, we, uh, our law firm, we're based in Miami, Florida. We're a boutique law firm. We have 15 lawyers, and we do a lot of work in the hospitality space. So, we represent a lot of restaurants, restaurant investors. Uh, we represent a lot of franchisors, franchisees, uh, and then more on a more broad basis, where you know, we represent businesses in all different sectors, but we have a pretty heavy concentration in hospitality. Beautiful. Um, and today, um, you know, we're here, I, you know, I've been listening to you guys. You've been asking me to get somebody on the show, uh, to speak to, uh, what's going on with insurance, uh, specifically you want to hear from lawyers, uh, or insurance adjusters or whatever. So I kind of, I, I, 
I collected all the advice I'm getting from my, our Facebook group. And if you guys are interested in joining that Facebook group, it's just the unstoppable restaurant owners and operators on Facebook. Please join. Uh, I'm listening to that group and, and reacting to that group. And you, you want answers around what's going on with this lawsuit around, uh, what's going on with insurance. So that's what Ben is going to talk to you today. We're going to talk about basically what's going on with this lawsuit that, that, um, I think it was originally Thomas Keller who kind of poked the beast. And there's a few more people that got on board since then. And now it's kind of a, a collective of, uh, successful restaurateurs with deep pockets trying to, you know, gain a foothold um, with these insurance companies. Why don't you kind of paint the picture of what's going on there? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. So uh, yeah, I mean, Thomas Keller is sort of the flag bearer, right? He, he uh, you know, he's uh, been out front uh, on this issue and it's, you know, there's going to be a wave of uh, litigation throughout the country as it relates to these types of insurance policies. Um, and so effectively, his two restaurants in Napa Valley, right, French Laundry and uh, Bouchon, um, you know, he's had to furlough 300 employees uh, because of coronavirus. You know, there is a, um, a an order, a county order uh, in Napa, basically like everywhere else in the country to shut down on essential businesses. There is a carve out for restaurants where, you know, as long as you are serving, you know, takeout food, you know, that's deemed essential. But obviously the core trade of, uh, you know, these restaurants has been shut down. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, that's primarily what's going on. Yeah. And it's these fine dining restaurants that really just aren't set up, um, to handle the, they're getting hit the, the hardest from this pandemic, right? Um, those, those high end high touch. Cause really what you're paying for when you go to those restaurants, yeah, the food's incredible, but it's also the level of, of touch, the experience, the, the service that you're getting. Right. So when you can't offer that same level of service with pickup and, and, um, delivery, you know, like your, your business model just crumbles. So they're being far more affected like, um, by this, so you, you would hope that they would have a different insurance plan, right? That, that, that if you took into consideration that a pandemic hurts a restaurant like that far more, uh, you know, it's, it's far more impactful than if you were like a drive through like in and out burger, right? Um, totally different way that these, these bigger fine dining, slow food restaurants are being impacted. So do you think that they have a chance? That's a great question, right? Um, so there's different ways to look at the issue. There's sort of, you know, uh, and, and remember, this is not a one-size-fits-all type of issue because insurance policies are not all the same, right? Yep. They're, they're drafted to cover different risks. They have different exclusions. Uh, the coverage limits are different, right? And and in, in, in each state, you know, you've got different laws that end up interpreting them in different ways, uh, as it relates to his particular lawsuit, I think that from what I've read, and I haven't read the underlying policy, but I have read the lawsuit, and the argument he's making is, look, I suffered a loss, right? Uh, and, and, and one of the things to keep in mind is most of these policies require that you actually show physical damage or loss to the actual property, right? And so the traditional setting is, yeah, you have a fire, burns down the restaurant, right? Or you have your flooding, uh, you know, here in South Florida, we have hurricanes, and, and that becomes an issue here a lot. Um, but his argument is, I don't need to show that type of traditional loss to the physical infrastructure, you know, of my restaurant. Physical loss can mean I just can't use my restaurant, right? And so it's damaged to the extent that I can't, I can't carry on my core business. And that's the argument he's trying to make. It's a creative one, but it's one that's at least got enough legs to keep him in the system. And so 
whether or not he ultimately wins, I think part of what he's trying to do as well is, is to wait for the politics of this to catch up. Um, what you've got now in, I think, 15 states across the country is that you've got uh, legislation that's been introduced to try to force insurers to uh, cover these types of losses and to essentially loosen some of the restrictions that would apply if you were just to read the policy and apply it in a normal, you know, pre-coronavirus circumstance. Yeah. So, I mean, in, is there even enough money put away in these insurance companies to cover all that loss, all those restaurants? Like, can, can they take that kind of hit? Not forever. So, you know, I pulled up some data, you know, uh, earlier today. So there's $800 billion in surplus, right, in the insurance industry. And what does that mean? That just means you've got $800 billion left to, Wait, you, um, you, to pay out. Right? Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but you saw how fast we went through. What was the, from the, the CARES Act, how many billions of dollars or trillion? Uh, what, what was the, that package? I can't, the number escaped my mind. How much? That was $349 billion. And here's what's interesting. It, it took right, us two that. weeks to go through. When you and I talked yesterday, right? We were yeah. like, oh, you know, when, sh- when should we do this? Because things change daily. And, and guess what? They, they really have changed because as of this morning, the money is gone. Yeah. So, I mean, what's all- so 8 billion will get us or 800 billion will get us maybe four weeks of relief. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you could kind of, you could look at sort of the relationship between yeah. the insurance losses and the money that Congress set aside. Cause you know, it may, you may get to a position that if all of a sudden all the insurers have to pay out these claims, they've got 800 billion in reserves. They're having to pay out, you know, by some estimates, two to 300 billion a month, assuming that they decide to pay out all these claims under these policies. Then what happens, right? Do we need another congressional uh, backstop for the insurance company? Well, that's the right? thing. Like the money is going to come from somewhere. Either the government's going to pay out the restaurants or, or bail out the restaurants, or they're going to bail out the insurance companies. But, but let, let's get this straight, right? Insurance companies are insurance companies and they're not going to roll over and die. I mean, they are, you know, look, there's a whole, you know, I'm a lawyer. I, I have so, you know, so many friends that are in this part, uh, you know, this, this area of the law and suing insurance companies and representing insurance companies. I mean, you know, you've got lawyers making a lot of money all over the country on both sides of that. So insurance companies, they're digging their heels in, right? And, and you can kind of understand where they're coming from. Um, but I think that politics is really going to come into play here. Even, even President Trump made a statement the other day to the effect of, you know, oh, I'm going to get everyone in a room and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make the insurers pay out, you know, on these losses. I'll be able to make a deal between the, uh, you know, the, the uh, insurers and the insurers. But, you know, I'm not so sure. I mean, you know, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So, what do you where, where do you see this going? What what how do you see this whole thing playing out? If you can make a prediction today based off the information that we have, where where do you see this going? Man, I, you know, I wish I had that type of crystal ball, but <laughs> I think a lot of it's going to depend on you know how how far this crisis goes. I mean, I think that my personal view is that you know we are we're not even at the beginning of the end of this. We're not even at the end of the beginning of this, right? We're yeah. sort of somewhere in the middle of the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. And so as time goes by um, and as, you know, I really, my heart goes out to especially a lot of your listeners who are you know, suffering because there are so many people suffering. I see it every day, um, you know, and as that suffering increases, you're going to see uh, the rubber kind of hit the road. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And this PPP money, even if you've applied for it, it's only going to get you, you know, it's only get you two months of relief. Um, and then unless Congress keeps throwing out more and more money and extending this, um, you know, you're going to start to see insurance companies, they're not going to voluntarily pay this out. But at some point, the politics of this are going to kind of come to a head. And I think that, um, you know, on both sides of the aisle, and there's been bipartisan support for this CARES Act money. I think you may see that happen as well in terms of getting all these small business owners relief because it's not just the restaurateurs that have paid all these insurance premiums. You got all kinds of other businesses that are claiming, you know, the uh, um, relief under these policies. So the one unknown is politics. Um, mm-hmm. But if this was to play out without politics, I think you're just going to see the insurance companies dig their heels in and they're just going to make the you know people wait. And I think, uh, uh, you know, it's going to just prolong the suffering. So what kind of progress is that the, the collective of restaurant tours making? Do you, do you see that? I mean, what should we do? Is there hope? What, like if we're listening to this right now, do you think that we should make an insurance claim um, or what, what, scenario paint that scenario of somebody who you think should make that insurance claim look i think that you know first of all you know uh, i would say um read your policy now here's the issue right have you ever read a commercial insurance policy no they're hard to read right so so the the instinct is get your lawyer to read the policy (laughs) well i don't want to go there directly but i kind of want to say it for you yeah uh, it's kind of self-serving for you to say that, right? But, you know, so your first instinct is, let me go to my broker, right? Because my broker is the one that helped me get the insurance policy. You know, there are some really sophisticated brokers out there, but most of them are not going to be able to help, you know, walk you through it with a degree of confidence that you're going to want here, right? Mm-hmm. You certainly don't want to rely on the insurance company's view of this, right? Because they've definitely got a vested interest in taking a certain position, Mm-hmm. So then it comes down to, you know, should you hire a lawyer to review your policy? So on that front, there's something interesting happening in the legal industry. You're seeing right now, it's, a good, you know, it's the next gold rush for plaintiff's lawyers. They're jumping all over this stuff, right? You're going to see class actions. You're going to see just some, you know, uh, typical plaintiff side contingency practices that are going to market the hell out of this. And you're going to see that everywhere. So you know, what I would say is right now, if you've got a, a property insurance policy that's got what's called civil authority or civil ordinance coverage or business interruption insurance coverage, you should seriously think about making a claim. Right? Okay. Um, because one of the things that you've got to be really careful about as well is under these policies, not only do you have to show that you're covered, but there's an obligation on you to make uh, the actual a claim within a certain period of time after the, the loss occurs or after the triggering event occurs. So if you sit around waiting, you may have a, either a perfectly good claim or a claim that might end up being perfectly good if politics starts to you know, enter the equation, but you'll have lost all your rights because you just didn't file within the window. That you're what, what window? Um, I know it's probably different with each uh, agreement, right? Um, but what's, ballpark what's that window look like is it a two-month window from when the event happens a one-month window like how end where technically does the beginning of that window start because this wasn't like a an event it wasn't like a bomb going off it was like the the gradual swell of a disease does it go from when it happened out in china or when it landed in 
in, or is it when the, the government said that we had to shut down? Like, what is the triggering event? It depends on the policy, but it's the it's the moment that you sustain the loss. So right around like the 16th of March, basically, is like when we really started that week. It depends, right? Because if you go back, let's go back to Keller's lawsuit, right? So his loss, according to the lawsuit, occurred when the Napa, uh, when the Napa Valley public health official who issued the stay-at-home order, that was the moment that the loss occurred because that was when effectively civil authority prevented the use of the restaurants, that, which was the moment that the damage or loss occurred. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so is in, I guess the other side of that question, is there a ballpark like number that's like common to kind of to give us an idea of whether or not we should be letting a fire under our ass right now? Like, is it a one month from that point or typically two months? Like what, what should we be? I mean, I know it's going to be specific to our, each of our cases, but like, what's the ballpark look there? It's days sometimes. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, it's Damn. days sometimes, you know, you know, 10 days, 20 days. So call your broker, find out what that window looks like if you're still within the window and then file a claim. Is there a business type? Does business model have an effect on this? Like I feel like like a like a Thomas Keller's French laundry that's so fine dining, that's so like high touch that relies so much on in-house dining cuz I'm telling you right now, they're not doing pickup and delivery. I can promise you that. Um so that type of business model, are they going to have a better chance of winning this lawsuit because their business was so much more affected than, say, uh, a drive through burger joint? So most likely he, you know, he ordered sort of like the Rolls Royce, you know, of insurance policies. Right. So yeah. he's probably got you know, a policy that's got, a, you know, relatively speaking, as broad a coverage as you could expect. And he's still uh, not getting it. Yeah, the exclusions are probably very narrow. One of the big things is that after Zika, um, because that was 2005, whenever that was, a lot of insurance uh, companies started to include a virus exclusion in their policies um, for that very reason, right? So, you know, we talked earlier about the threshold thing that you got to show for one of these claims is, you know, my property was damaged. Mm -hmm. Even if you show that, you then got to look at, well, what are the exclusions? Are there specific exclusions in my policy? And a lot of these policies have virus exclusions, right? Now, from my reading of the Keller lawsuit, I don't think he had a virus exclusion in his lawsuit, which is great for him, Mm -hmm. right? He's still got to show physical loss and damage, but he doesn't have to contend with that. So that may be a function of him just paying a big premium for a Rolls Royce policy, um, or it may just be that that particular insured just didn't think to include it in that particular policy. Uh, but but the way that, you know, the, going back to your question, um, I know it's, I've been a little long-winded on this one, but, you know, usually, usually each policy has a coverage limit, right? And then it should, and then, and then as long as you can substantiate the, uh, the lost income of the restaurant, and you can also substantiate that you have a valid claim that doesn't have an exclusion, like from viruses, mm-hmm. then you can claim all the way up to the policy limit. And so that's, that's probably what, you know, what kind of policy he had. It probably has, knowing the volume and, and the money that guy does at those restaurants, 
it's probably a pretty big uh, insurance uh, uh, you know limit in that policy. I wonder if Thomas Keller is selling more master classes right now because of everybody staying at home. Maybe <laughs> who knows? Um, so are they making progress? Like what's, what's the latest and greatest on this lawsuit? What's like any new uh, news out around this, this story? So the insurer hasn't commented, you know, I think mo- like most insurance companies are just kind of towing this like <laughs> silent line. I don't like, I kind of, I won't lie. I kind of, I had an insurance uh, representative on the show like earlier during all this. And uh, we recorded something and like the day like the the day before I was going to go live, they asked us not to air it. And I was like, typical insurance companies. Uh, but I get it. You know, at the same time, I kind of get that they have to be careful. They have to be, we, they, they, whatever they say can be used against them like in the future. So like they're just, they're just buttoning up right now and being super conservative. I think all it takes is one sort of like senior executive to make some stupid tone deaf comment. And then politically, this thing can start to snowball, right? So I yeah. think that I get that they're being high quiet. stakes. Yeah, I get it. Uh, any other thoughts or um, pieces of advice, things we can do? Uh, now is the time to get it out. So look, I mean, the, what we've been advising you know, restaurateurs is, you know, just do what is within your control. You know, we have no idea how the world's going to look. We don't know how people's behavior is going to be changed by this, right? Um, at, you know, after, after this, uh, you know, after the new normal emerges, whatever that looks like. So, you know, the three things that we've kind of advised our clients that they can control, one is PPP, right? Well, now that's run out and unless Congress supplements it uh, with another 250 billion, which I think is going to pass, but you know, who knows, it's politics. Um, you know, they should definitely jump on that if they haven't already. Um, the second thing is we've talked about insurance. Look at your insurance policy. You know, if there's a plausible basis to make a cl- you know a claim, make one. Right. Um, preserve your rights. Let maybe politics shift things, or you know, or maybe you can get some kind of settlement. The third thing is your you know, and I, I think most restaurants have done this already. Is talk to your landlord. Right. Try to get some relief from your landlords. Yeah. Um, because landlords also, like you know, they, they don't want to lose they don't want to lose the client. Yeah, because after like you know the, their tenant, if they lose their tenant after this, who knows how long it's going to take for them to replace that tenant? I guess the, the only other question I have is around this. You say legislation, government pol- politics is going to influence a lot. Is there anything we can do to influence politics? What can we do to kind of get aligned and to start lobbying for? the relief to influence politics to get insurance companies to, to, to pay out. Yeah. I, I look, I think, you know, organizing, you know, uh, uh, you know, is the way to go. Right. And making sure that I mean, the restaurant industry is a powerful, you know, it's a power, it's, it's a powerful lobby that I think right now you're going to be taking on probably the most powerful lobby in the country, which is the insurance lobby. Right? Yeah. So I think, you know, but I think storytelling is a big part of this. And I think that there's already a lot of, you know, compelling storytelling about, you know, the effect this is having on, on restaurateurs and the industry generally. So I think, I think we have to keep telling stories. I think we have to tug at people's heartstrings. Uh, and then at the same time, we need to you know, use the levers of power in Congress, not just at the federal level, but also at the state level, um, and and especially in those states, those fifteen states that I talked about, you know, really try to you know support those uh, legislators who are putting these propos- uh, these proposals out there um, to try to hold the insurance company. 
I'm going to say hold them accountable. Although at the same time, they're, you know, they're, again, we talked about this. They're going to say, look, we're just, we're just reading the policy the way it's written. Yeah. You're, you're the guy who do the policy. How, how do you support a legislator? So, you know, you'll be surprised how good old fashioned kind of retail politics, calling them, writing them letters, um, you know, that stuff still works, right? They, they do still listen to that. Um, money talks, right? So there's that as well. Um, let's, Unfortunately. Let's <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess th- what I would say after listening to you talk is what I've been saying this whole time is go to your state restaurant association. That, in my opinion, is where restaurant associations still carry the biggest weight. Um, they're plugged in, they're connected to the right people. And if you communicate through those channels, you don't have to create your own channels. You don't have to start from scratch. Go, go through the channels that are already there to communicate. Um, that's what I would say. Do you think that is good advice or is there a better route that you would recommend people take? I think that's, that's a good way to do it. But I would say, look, you know, uh, uh, most restaurateurs I know are pretty savvy on social media, right? So I think. So if you have that influence, this, yeah. It's the storytelling, right? It's, it's the, uh, you know, it's the stoking the emotion of like public support, uh, you know, for your mom and pa restaurateur, right? Who are being so, so uh, devastated by this. Yeah. Ben, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to kind of create some clarity to, to catch us up on what's going on with this story. Um, what we can do, if, if it even makes sense for us to even try to sue the 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 uh, insurance companies, it sounds like from your perspective, because of what's happening, because uh, that it sounds like politics could get behind this, it wouldn't hurt is kind of the the gist I'm getting from you. That if you if you think you have a case, if the the wording in your policy mentions that or, or excluded the things that you mentioned, um, like having that that virus sewn into that that clause, right? If it doesn't have that, then which it probably does, but you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to try, I guess is what I'm, I'm pulling from this conversation. Yeah. And, 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 one, and listen, there's going to be lawyers all over the country willing to take on cases like this on a contingency fee basis, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, which means that you don't actually have to pay them by the hour. They, they share in your upside or your success. So if you can find a reputable lawyer who you trust that believes you've got a case and that you can share some risk with, right? Then that's, that could be a really good option. Awesome. Uh, Ben, thank you so much. How can we connect with you? If we have further questions, maybe we want to get you in our corner. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, you know, you can reach me on email, uh, Ben at axslawgroup.com. Um, that's the best way to reach me. And, um, this is session 41. So if you head over to restaurantstoppablecom slash RCP, uh, and you scroll down to session 41, you'll see Ben's the, the notes from our conversation with Ben, plus uh, any links to tools or services that were recommended. Maybe we'll link to your website over there. Any other tools or resources you can think of that we should link to to send our people in the right direction? Uh, so we've done a couple of webinars on uh, sort of, you know, uh, legal issues facing the hospitality sector during this crisis. So I'd be happy to kind of provide you with a link to that as well. All right. Beautiful. And again, that'll be, that'll be hosted under Ben session, session 41 under restaurantunstoppable.com slash RCP for restaurant coronavirus podcast. Ben, thanks again for taking the time to, to shed some light. Uh, feel free to reach out if you have any other, uh, knowledge you can share with us. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot, Eric. It's been great to be on my pleasure, man. Cheers. 
Well, there you go. Uh, so what did we take away from today's conversation? Um, I think the big takeaways for me, at least, were that there is hope in getting some relief from insurance so long as the political landscape changes a little bit. That's kind of what I was hearing. Uh, let me know if you guys heard something different. Uh, feel free to join the conversation over at Unstoppable Restaurant Owners and Operators Facebook group. And we're only accepting restaurant owners and operators into that group. So if you're listening to this and you're somebody trying to sell something, please don't bother. You won't get in. We're being pretty strict about that. And, um, Really, uh, the other, I think the other big takeaway. So we already mentioned uh, the political landscape is really going to have a huge impact on this. Uh, also, he says, you know, go get the, the sign up for PPP, even though they're running out of money and it seems like it's too late. It sounds like we might be getting more money, which kind of, I don't know where the hell I stand on this. Honestly, it's kind of frustrating. Um, I feel like uh, how much money can we just kind of make and give out before this really gets bad is kind of how I feel. And then I'm also hearing that with the PPP, people are just kind of sitting on the money and not using it the way it was intended. People are trying to use it in the way that it was intended, but nobody will come back to work. It's just a kind of a clusterfuck. I don't know what else to call it. Uh, so we'll keep our finger on that pulse. Uh, but I mean, again, to kind of focus on today's subject of uh, what we can do, um, around this lawsuit, I guess just write letters, reach out to politicians and try to influence. I think the best thing we can do is get a line on what's going on, uh, share knowledge and then use our voice to influence politicians. And what else can we do? I don't know. Um, it's weird times. It's super weird times, but uh, that's my takeaway from today's chat. All right, guys, uh, before I let you go, I got to let you know that today's episode was brought to you by restaurant 365 cloud based all in one restaurant specific back office and accounting platform that seamlessly integrates your POS system, payroll provider and food and beverage vendor. Head over to restaurant 365.com slash unstoppable and you'll qualify for 30% off implementation in a free inventory build within restaurant 365, a value of $5,000. And we're also brought to you by P and G professional, specifically Don professional, the number one dish detergent found in most commercial kitchens around the nation with Don professional. You get long lasting suds that clean up to 50% more dishes per sink than other labels. Again, that's Don Professional. You can find it at pgpro.com. Again, that's pgpro.com. Thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.